Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Exodus chapter 13, reading from verse 17. Amen. Reading from verse 17, the Bible says, Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, for God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. So God led the people around by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the congregation. We thank You that we've gathered together as a group um, and, and just to sit at Your feet, Lord God. And our ears are open to hear the voice of, you, of the Holy Spirit. Let there be a spirit of wisdom and revelation even as I share, Lord God. I thank You for Your grace and mercy amongst us. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be freedom to share. Our ears and hearts are open uh, to hear from you. Let there be nothing in me that hinders the delivery of this word, Father God. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness, Lord God. And glorify your name today, I pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We're in a series entitled The Ways of God. Title comes from a prayer that Moses prayed, If you're pleased with me, then teach me your ways, O Lord, so, so that I may know you and continue to find favour with you. I love the prayer. I love the spirit of the prayer. I love the heart of Moses towards God. Moses who had experienced intimacy with God. He would talk to God face to face, had seen the miraculous, had, 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 had seen God do some amazing things. Yet despite all of that, he says, Lord, Lord, Teach me your ways because I want to know you and I want to find favour with you. For those that may uh, be here for the very first time, we've said that the ways of God refers to the principles of God, the commands of God, uh, the things that God thinks are important. It's the way that God does things. Psalm 128 says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. Blessed, the word blessed there is the word happy and prosperous and to be envied in a good way. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, is not scared of God, but reverences God um, and who walks in His ways. Um, uh, if we want to experience joy and peace, God says we get that by learning, understanding the ways of God and, and hence Moses' prayer. And, uh, and, and in life, we go through so many situations and challenges, uh, decisions uh, the need, uh, that need to be made, relational issues, problems. We don't always know how to respond. Uh, God, through His Word, teaches us His ways. Uh, the Bible's not going to tell you what to do in, in, in your workplace. It's not going to tell you what you do in your marriage or in your family. It's not going to tell you precisely what you do, but it's going to give you the principles that will apply to each and every one of those situations. And so we don't always know what to do, but the principles of God's Word guide and lead us. And God through His Word teaches us 
His ways. And when we follow God's ways, He can save us from a lot of heartache. God says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Um, and when we follow God's ways, He can help us. Because our wisdom and God's wisdom can be different at times. Our ideas can be different to God's ideas at times. And so I just love the spirit of Moses' prayer, the heart of Moses' prayer. He's coming before God. He's experienced it all. But despite all of that, he says, Lord, I wanna know your ways because I wanna know you and find favour with you. God said in the Psalms, if my people would only, this is, this is the heart of God. This is, this is God speaking to you and to me and to His people. He's saying, if my people would only listen to me, if Israel would only follow my ways. That's, that's the heart of God. He said, man, if they would just listen to me and follow my ways, how quickly I would subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Um, and then later in verse 16, he says, you would be fed with the finest of wheat, with honey from the rock. I would satisfy you. God, God is saying, I'm gonna satisfy you. If only you would seek after my ways. If only you would, would seek after me, um, then, then you're gonna experience the blessing of God. Moses had a revelation of the power of knowing God's ways. So he prays, Lord, teach me your ways. And all of this raises a question for us. The question is quite simple. Well, what are the ways of God? that lead us to know the heart of God and release His favour. Moses said, teach me. And I kind of, the picture I have in my mind is it's a, it's a subject that's offered in, I don't know, wherever in Bible college and who the teacher is. Well, the teacher is Jesus. He's gonna be the teacher and he's gonna teach us on the ways of God. And so Moses is a student. I wanna be a student in that class. Can I hear an amen? Just don't wanna do the exam. I want to be a student in that class. What's the subject? The ways of God. I want to know. I want to. I want to be a student. I got my pad ready because I want to write and I want to know what the ways of God are, so that I can know Him. It's the heart of God, and so we're exploring this question together. What are the principles, the commands of God? that bring us to know Him and release His favour. So far, we've looked at a couple of ways, the way of desire. It's embedded in the text. Moses prays, he asks, he desires. We always move towards whatever it is that we desire. When we desire God, when we desire to know the ways of God, God reveals Himself. If you seek me, you will find me, says the Lord. And then we talked about the way of humility where Moses, despite everything he's had, he still asks, Lord, Lord, I, I want to know more of you. It's I still, I'm still not there. And if I have any kind of knowledge, Lord God, it's not because of me, it's because of you, Lord God. So Lord, just I just need you, Lord God, more than anything else. Today, I want us to look at another way. It's the way of the wilderness. I just pray the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us. For Moses, leading the people of Israel out of Egypt, all began in Exodus 3. Moses was tending sheep. He then sees a burning bush. He goes up to it and God begins to speak to him. God says, I have seen. What, what, I don't know about how you read Scripture, but you should always read Scripture um, with, a, with a pen in your hand. And don't be afraid to write in your Bible. That's why you should have a paper version. I know this generation's got to have the electronic thing. Look, look, all the research shows there's not as much anointing on the phone Bible. Okay, just saying, putting it out there. It's been tested by a lot of good scholars and stuff. It's an, it's an anointing meter that measures it. 
if you have a Bible, written Bible, just circle the words or highlight whatever you do. I have indeed seen the misery of my people. I have heard, I've circled heard, them crying out because of their slave drivers and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come, I've circled that word, down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land. God sees, He hears, He's concerned and He moves and He acts on behalf of His people. If you were an Israelite and he says, I'm going I'm to bring you into a, a spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, and so on. If you were an Israelite, you knew that wasn't very far. You knew that if you went directly to there, to the Canaan, to, to that land, it was less than a two-week journey. But God doesn't lead them via the direct route. He leads them by way of the wilderness. As we read in our text, the Bible says, then it came to pass... When Pharaoh had let the people go, God didn't lead them through the way of the Philistines, although it was the short way, although it was the shortcut, God led the people around by way of the wilderness, the Red Sea. How many people like shortcuts? The easy road, the quick road. Imagine if you were the people of Israel. They've just left Egypt, incredible victory. God is guiding them. They have a cloud by day, pillar by night. They've got the presence of God with them. What else do you need? It was the first GPS, by the way, the cloud, the cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. Instead of, it's God's positioning system. And instead of God leading them into the promised land, that's enough. He leads them into the wilderness. For the people of Israel, Sort of made absolutely no sense. Instead of instead of God, instead of the cloud leading them into the easy path, it turns instead of turning left, it goes right into the wilderness. Something wrong with the GPS. And no, no doubt they would have started wondering, well, where is God doing? Where is he? This makes no sense. What's what's happening with God? And and here's the thing. All of us from time to time are gonna find ourselves. In the wilderness. Spoke a little bit about this last week. In life, there are times when we're going through a season of blessing and favour, feel the presence of God. God is answering our prayer. God is speaking. His Word is alive. Worship is amazing. You feel the goosebumps. And we say, God, I will follow you wherever you may go. Lead me, guide me, direct me. Here am I. Send me. And God says, are you sure? We say, oh, of course. I will follow you to the ends of the earth. And God says, okay, then follow me. And He leads us into the wilderness. A place where everything we touch goes wrong, where the decisions are wrong. We can't feel the presence of God. We feel like God has left us. It's where our dreams die. Church is a struggle. The Bible is like, re the Bible is like reading the dictionary and we wonder what happened. Sometimes the wilderness season is triggered by an event, a relationship shatters, a child leaves home, a career goes south, finances dwindle, a diagnosis, shattered dream. It was a good dream. We thought it was God that gave us the dream. It wasn't selfish or vain. You thought that it was God that gave you that dream. Uh, you saw, you saw uh, the sheaves and you saw, you know, whatever, animals and so on. You knew it was God. You saw the dream twice. It was a two-week journey and we would be in the promised land, blessing, favour, prosperity, but now the dream is shattered and you're confused and you wonder, where is God? Usually when we find ourselves in the wilderness, we assume it must be our fault. I must have sinned. 
I took a wrong turn. I thought I was following God. I'm in a desert. I'm probably harboring a secret sin. It has to be me because God promised milk and honey and yo-yo biscuits. So why am I here? So we start to dig deep inside of ourselves and we confess every sin that we know. We even make up a few sins just to be sure. Because we think well, once I've done that, oh, we're back on track. Then we're, we're, we're back. The, the, the cloud is moving, but none of that changes how we feel. So we think, well, it must be Satan. I'm in the wilderness because the devil is attacking me. He's resisting me. He's blocking my path. So we start to rebuke and resist the devil in the name of Jesus. We rebuke that devil-influenced cloud that led us into the wilderness in the first place. That doesn't help us either. So we, we say, well, maybe it was Moses' fault. We'll look for someone or something else to blame. Who does he think he is? We, 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 can, we can do this too, you know. By the way, that happened, read your Bible. Who does, who does Moses think he is? Does he think he's the only one who can hear from God? Uh, maybe the reason why we're in this mess is because of him in the first place. It's him that's led us here. We need to find a reason that helps us explain why we ended up in the, in the wilderness. We need to find an explanation for why we are here so that we can then fix it and get back on track. Problem for us is that the text actually tells us how they ended up in the wilderness. Bible says, God led the people around by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. It's not always God that leads us into the wilderness. Sometimes it's our foolish decisions. Sometimes it's disobedience or it is a spiritual attack, but there are times where like Israel, God will lead us into the wilderness. All throughout Scripture, we see examples of this. Moses spent his own season in the desert. We spoke about that last week, 40 years to be exact. One third of his life was spent in the wilderness. When Elijah was threatened by Jezebel, he ran to the desert for 40 days. He was in the desert. He just called down fire from heaven. He'd seen the glory of God, the prophets of Baal destroyed. And now he's on the run and spends 40 days in the desert. Bible says of Jesus after he was baptised, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan. He's just been baptised. He's full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. If you're a follower of Jesus and you love God and you really want to serve God, and you, and you say, God, you created me for such a time as this. You say to yourself, Lord, I don't wanna follow my dreams. I wanna follow your dreams. You say to yourself, Lord, I'm sick and tired of doing life my way. I wanna do life your way. Not my will, your will be done. If you dedicate yourself to God, if you consecrate your life to God, if you give everything that you have to God, here am I, Lord, send me. You can be sure that at some point you're going to find yourself in the wilderness. I wonder there might be some people here today. You're in a wilderness. If that's you, I want you to know that there's nothing wrong with you. God has not forgotten you. 
You've not been abandoned. He knows your name. He loves you. He can see. He can hear. He's concerned. He's with you. Wilderness is not just some random attack on your life. You need to know that the way of the wilderness is where God does some of his greatest work, his deepest work, significant work in shaping the human heart. It doesn't feel like the actions of a loving God, yet this could be the most loving thing God does, for he loves us enough not to let us stay the same. He loves us enough he loves us enough to lead us in, in, into a wilderness where he wants to do a deep work in our lives. I remember a commentator saying, the story of Job is a love story. Well, how can that be a love story? He has Job, who's this amazing man of God, but, but God sees him and says, his relationship with God could go deeper because at the end of the book of Job, he says, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. He was an amazing man of God, perfect in so many different ways, but his love for God was still superficial and God loves him enough to lead him by way of the wilderness so that his relationship, so that he could get a greater relationship of God. I wanna give you a couple of lessons before we break bread today on things that we learn in the wilderness. One of the lessons we learn in the wilderness is patience. <coughs> the Bible says that when they entered the wilderness, the people complained. They said to Moses, oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. What an amazing group of people, just beautiful. Oh, that we had died in the hand. They've seen God do amazing things. Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. So God provides them manna from heaven. Every morning they had to collect enough only for the day. Um, some thought they were smart. You know, God says, listen, I'm going to provide you with manna. In the morning, you go out, you collect the manna. You collect enough manna just for one day. Do not collect it for two days because it's going to go bad. And so that's what they needed to do. But some of the people thought they were smart and, and, and collected enough for two. The entrepreneurs thought, you know, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Let's make sure we get at least two lots. And by the end of that first day, worms would appear. Bit of protein for those doing a keto thing, you know. Um, fry it up a little bit, it's quite nice. Um, and God was teaching them some lessons. God was teaching them to trust Him. That He was faithful. That He could take care of them. That everything they needed was in Him. David said, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. It's in the valley that we learn that God is with us. It's in the valley that we get a revelation of the fact that God is with us, that He never leaves us nor forsakes us. When things are going well in life, we make plans, we set goals, we have out-of-do lists, we think long-term, and that's all good, by the way. When we're in the wilderness, our goal is just to get through another day. 
And if you've ever been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like God strips us of everything so that all we have is him. There is no plan B, C, D or E. It's only one plan, plan A. It's God, either you get me through this or that's it, I'm done. In the wilderness, we learn that God is not in a hurry. He doesn't have an agenda for the day. His to-do list is pretty short. And we're screaming, God, just fix this. Just do something. Just do it now, God. We look to the cloud. Just move. Let's go somewhere, anywhere. Just get me out of here. The cloud doesn't move. We want to go to the promised land the short way, the fast way. God wants us to go the long way and slow. How annoying. See, God's agenda for our life involves more than just the promised land. God is just as interested in who we are becoming as to where we are going. In fact, God is more interested in who we are becoming than in where we're going. Because who we are becoming is eternal. Where we are going is just a destination. But who we are is eternal. Schizero says this. He's written an amazing book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Worth reading. It's an amazing book. He says, God powerfully invades us when we persevere patiently through his suffering. Our great temptation is to quit and go backwards. But if we remain still listening to his voice, God will insert something of himself into our character that will mark us for the rest of our journey with him. Another lesson we learn in the desert is that the wilderness is a place of preparation. God says to the Israelites, you've seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. We read that and we think, we read that and we think, oh, that's so nice riding on eagles' wings, the protection of the eagle, the love of the eagle. It certainly does mean all of that. That God at times will, 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 will uh, pick us up and so we, we ride on his wings. But there is a deeper message here. It speaks about how eagles train their young to fly. Eagles train their young to fly by pushing them out of the nest. Great. Uh, you could just imagine the eaglet is in the nest all soft and nice. It's beautiful. Mum brings him food every day. Um, then at one stage, the eagle starts to destroy the nest so it's not soft anymore. And then to make matters worse, the eagle pushes the eaglet out of the nest. And now the eagle's falling and flapping and screaming and they think they're going to die. But the eagle, it doesn't die because the eagle swoops down under them and allows them to ride on their wings. So the eaglet is on the mother's wings, soaring towards the sky in safety and they think, oh, I love my mum. She is so beautiful. She loves me so much. So the eagle takes them to a high place and then lets them go again. <laughs> And the, and the eagle thinks they're going to die. They're flapping and falling. And now the eagle is really confused. I thought you loved me. I thought I could trust you. I thought I could get, put my head on your lap when I was in trouble. I need to see a counsellor. Eaglet's being pushed and carried, pushed and carried until one day they begin to fly. 
Sometimes we go through a wilderness because it's through the wilderness that we learn to fly. Feels like hell. Feels like we've been abandoned. Feels like we're going to die. God, where are you? I thought you loved me. I thought I could trust you. Until one day we start to fly and then we say, Thank you, Father. Thank you for loving me enough to push me to do more, to be more, to push me into my destiny. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you go through trials of many kinds because they produce something that cannot be produced apart from the wilderness. The Bible says you brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. You led people right over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. So many of us want the place of abundance. We just don't want the journey to get there. Number three, we learn in the wilderness, it reveals what's in our hearts. Moses said to the people of Israel, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep His commands. One of the things the wilderness does is it reveals what's in our hearts. God does that by removing His conscious presence of Him. God is always with us. He never leaves us. He promises never to leave us nor forsake us. But in the wilderness, we just can't feel His presence like we can in the good times. Question is, how are we going to respond if we can't feel Him, see Him or sense Him? Bible says about Hezekiah, but when envoys were sent by the rulers of Babylon to ask him about the miraculous sign that had occurred in the land, God left him to test him and to know everything that was in his heart. God didn't leave him. God left his conscious presence of him so that what was in his heart would be revealed. And what it revealed in Hezekiah's heart was pride. How do you test what's in a child's heart? See what they do when the parent is not around. How do you test what's in an employee's heart? Check what they do when, when the boss is not around. How do you know what's in our heart as an employee? What do we do when the boss is not around? I'm speaking to Christian Center, Life Christian Centre staff right now. So. <laughs> there are times where God will withdraw His presence to expose what's inside of us. It's the heat that reveals what's in a tea bag. It's the heat that reveals what's in, our, what's in our hearts. Classic example of this is Peter. Peter says to Jesus, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. You can count on everybody else is gonna desert you. Well, not me, you can trust me. And then Jesus is sent away. Jesus is no longer present with the disciples. There's no longer his, his nice presence around them. He's sent away and suddenly what's in Peter's heart comes out. He denies Jesus three times. Peter would never have known what was in his heart apart from the wilderness, the trial, the absence of God's presence. Not always easy to see what's really inside of us. When we're faced with our own sinfulness, our shortcomings, um, it's not a nice thing. But if we face those shortcomings and deal with them, we, we begin to grow. 
Hebrews says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Finally, in the, in the wilderness, we come to know God in a deeper way. Moses prayed, if you, if you please with me, teach me your way. So, so Lord, because I, I want to know you, God. I want to know what you're like, Lord God. I, I, I want to know you. Would you teach me your way so that I can have a deeper relationship with you? Really, says God, do you really want to know me? Oh, yes, Lord God, I really want to know you. Well, one of the ways we come to know God is by way of the wilderness. In the desert, you don't get the promotion. You don't get the job, sickness isn't cured, problem isn't solved. All you get is the cloud by day and the pillar by night. All you get is God's presence. All you get is God's promises, God's Word. That's all you've got. They've got nothing else to hang on to. Just God. Just His promises. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's all you've got. All, all you've got is trust. Lord, all I have is to trust in You. It's in the crucible of fire, the waiting on God, that you come to know God in a deeper and more profound way that influences us for the rest of our lives, that marks us for the rest of our lives. I said before about Job, Job goes through this terrible trial, wrestles, cries out to God, questions God, where are you God? Can't feel you, don't know where you are. But in the midst of that, Job chapter 19, I know that my Redeemer lives and one day I shall see Him. He's declaring that at the deepest, darkest place of the trial, He's in the bottom of the valley. There's nothing. He has absolutely nothing. He's been stripped of everything and He can't hear God, feel God. But in the midst of that, He says, I, I know that my Redeemer lives and one day I shall see Him. And in the end, he says, or Job 38 says, and then the Lord spoke out of the storm. Oh, I love that verse. Because God will always speak out of the storm. You just need to wait. Be patient. And in the end, he says, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. He has a revelation of God. And he says, God, forgive me. Forgive my questions. Forgive, forgive me, God. Because you were here all along. Elijah's just called down fire from heaven and a few days later, he's in the desert praying, praying that he might die. It was, in the, it was in that wilderness that he learns to hear the small, still voice of the Spirit. Because God comes, there's a, there's, a, there's a fire, not in the fire. There was an earthquake, not in the earthquake. And then there's a small, still voice and he learns to hear the small, still voice of the Spirit. And he's forever changed. You've heard me say before, if you want to hear someone's whisper, you need to get really close to them or you can't hear the whisper. It's in the wilderness that God brings us really close to Him so that we can hear His, His whisper. After Jesus' wilderness experience, Bible says Jesus returned to Galilee. Listen to it, in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. Many of us want the power of the Spirit, 
What we don't want is the 40 days before that. It's in the wilderness that we come to know him, not for what he can do for us, but for who he is. Fall in love with God. Our relationship with God deepens. We become complete, not lacking anything. It's where God does his greatest work. I wonder there might be some people I wonder there might be some people here in a wilderness season right now. You're in a place where you can't feel God's presence. Wondering where is God? You don't know what he's doing. It feels like he's abandoned you. If that's you, I want you to know that there's nothing wrong with you. That God has not forgotten you. The wilderness is not just some random attack on your life. You need to know that the way of the wilderness is where God does some of his greatest work, his deepest work in shaping the human heart. And listen, and by his grace and for his glory, he will get you through. It's by his grace and for his glory, you will get to the other side because he's the God who sees, he hears, he's concerned and he will see you through. You know, when we're in the wilderness, the temptation is always to go back. People of Israel go, we should have stayed in Egypt. Temptation is always to go back, go back to the old. I knew I shouldn't have become a Christian. What a waste of time. I knew, I knew that this was a, this, there was nothing in this. And, and the temptation is always to go back to the old life, the old way of doing things. Just, just go back to the old habits because it's, a, it's all a farce. The temptation is always to go back. But if we just wait on God, we just stand. But they that wait upon the Lord, He shall renew their strength. They will soar on wings as eagles. But they that wait upon the Lord, just wait. For He will, he will come. He will answer. And when that happens, our life will be trans transformed. Pastor Joe, how do we get through this difficult time? I think one of the greatest things about wildernesses is we just don't know how long they're going to last. Being a veteran of a few wildernesses, didn't learn these principles from a book. <laughs> you just don't know how long they're going to last. And you don't know if you're going to get to the other side. But one thing that helps us get through is Jesus. Hebrews says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. The pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus understands what we're going through because He went through a wilderness Himself. He could have avoided the cross, could easily have taken the easy road. Instead, the Bible says He endured the cross. He took the long way so that we could stand righteous before God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider Him. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He endured the cross. He endured His wilderness season and He got to the other side. And because of that, we're here today worshipping God. Avoid the temptation to move, to find the easy road. Turn to Him 
reach out to Him and He will make your way and path straight. We, sing the, we sang the song, we sing the song Cornerstone, which says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. His oath, His covenant, His blood. Support me in the whelming flood in the wilderness when all around my soul gives way. He then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. I know we're running out of time. But before we break bread, I just wonder there might be some people going through a wilderness season right now. And I want to just give you an opportunity to be prayed for. So we've got a lot of time. So if, if, if that's you and you're in a wilderness season, uh, before we break bread together, I want to pray for you. I just want you to stand where you are. Um, just stand right, no, not, not the whole congregation, just those in a wilderness season. If that's you, I just want you to stand and I'm going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you. Wish I could tell you four things to do. And uh, if you do these four things, push these levers, these buttons then you're going to get out of it. I wish it was that easy. It's not. I just want to encourage you. Hang in there. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He will see you through. And when you get to the other side of it, you're going to say, thank you, Lord. Because you're going to see the transformation that He's brought in you. Father, I just thank you for those that are standing. We recognise, God, that it's only your grace that sees us through. Father, if we're able to get to the other side, it's by your grace and for your glory. Not because of our intelligence, not because of our righteousness, not because of our, how smart we are, how spiritual we are. Father, we recognise that it's only by your grace. I just pray for grace in every individual here today, that they would experience your power, your mercy, that in the midst of all of this, they would they would fix their eyes on Jesus, see you, and that by your grace, you're going to see them through. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.